You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Psalm chapter 90. Psalm chapter 90. We're continuing our series through the Psalms. Um, Last week we were in Psalm 98 and kind of looked at the background for um, the the hymn Joy to the World and and where that comes from and why Isaac Watts was prompted to write that as a new song in response to the faithfulness of God, particularly seen in the lives of people in times past and how God continues to be faithful to people in times present and will always be faithful uh, moving forward as well. And so Uh, We come to Psalm chapter 90 today. I want to read for us our text, and then we'll uh, jump right into what God has to say to us today. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and it is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength eighty, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Our summary sentence for today, because our life is short and passes quickly, we have a responsibility to number our days by choosing to engage wisely in the works that will matter most while praying for God to crown those efforts with his success. For our kids, life is short and should be lived for God every day. Because our life is short and passes quickly, we have a responsibility to number our days by choosing to engage wisely in the works that will matter most while praying for God to crown those efforts with his success. It's that time of year again where uh, we make changes to our life, we establish plans, we create resolutions to use our time differently in the coming days. I don't know. Some people like this time of year. Some people don't like this time of year. Some people like resolutions. Some people resent resolutions. I, for one, like this time of year. I like the, the concept of a restart, a refresh. I like the built-in uh, process of kind of thinking through how was this past year spent, what things worked, what things did not work, uh, what things do we desire to see done differently maybe in the coming year. And so I, I like this time of year. I like the, the process of making changes and resolutions. Um, I know for me, in the past, I guess, two years now, uh, it, it feels like a lot of life's plans have been either halted or delayed or paused because of the COVID situation. I know that for me, I, I typically have thought more in terms of months and years in regards to my planning, and I felt like that has been kind of dialed back to where it's been 
just trying to live each day and trying to get through each day and trying to uh, do what God wants me to do each day. Um, and I know that I've shared with this with some people, like I feel like it, in some ways, like my life hasn't progressed in ways that it needs to because of this mentality of kind of being in pause mode, trying to let this all kind of die out and pass away and, and get beyond it. And I think I'm realizing more and more this is, this is just how it is right now, and, and this shouldn't halt our progress. It shouldn't halt our planning, and I think that this psalm reminds us of how important it is to number our days, to consider the use of our time and how we're using our time. So we're going to talk about that some today, specifically in how uh, this psalm uh, points it to us. Uh, this psalm emphasizes our need to see the shortness of life and our need to maximize our time for his work, the idea being that we don't know how long we have. Uh, the psalmist makes reference to those who kind of live a full life. He references the, the years of 70 and 80, which would maybe have been a life expectancy in that time, particularly when the psalm is written because it's written by Moses, and it's most likely written when the people were wandering in the wilderness. And you'll remember they were all told they would die in the wilderness. That generation would die off before the children of Israel would be allowed to go into the promised land because of their rebellion. So most of them were probably going to die off by 70 or 80, if not prior to that. Um, our, our time is short. We don't know how long we have. Um, uh, I think celebrity deaths always stand out to me more when people die this time of year because it's like, oh, man, these people didn't even get to experience this upcoming year, right? Just in the past week or so, um, we've seen two legendary NFL coaches pass away, John Madden and Dan Reeves. Um, we saw Betty White pass away. She's like the last golden girl, I think, to uh, have still been alive. And there was a lot of hoopla recently about her reaching the age of 100. I think People Magazine even has a uh, issue coming out where she's the, the cover lady, and there's a big article about her reaching 100, and yet she died prior to reaching 100. Like, everybody was anticipating her being 100 years old, and she passed away just recently before she reached 100. And as I was kind of reading about her, there were several articles recently where uh, people were highlighting her perspective on what does it take to live to be 100, right? Um, it's kind of the, that's kind of the, like, uh, the, the extreme as far as when we think about somebody living a long life, living to be 100 years old. Um, we, we all know of people recently who have probably died well before that, right? Died in a, in a much younger age. Uh, we don't know how long we have, and this psalm reminds us of that. We don't know how long we have. Our life is short, um, and it's important that we recognize that, and it's important that we maximize our days in light of that. Uh, psalm 90 is probably the oldest psalm written. I told you it was authored by Moses, most likely written during the time of wandering by the children of Israel. It also is the, one of the clearest sections of Scripture about the eternal nature of God, and we're going to see how the eternal nature of God is an encouragement to us as his people um, as well. So let's go ahead and jump right into the text. I want us to see kind of how this chapter breaks down. It starts with uh, just a perspective about God's eternal nature and man's frailty in light of that. So we see God pictured as everlasting and man pictured at least earthly, physically in a temporary way. Um, and we see it in light of the fact that man is sinful and God's wrath is upon man. Uh, so that kind of is the context for then the end of the psalm where the psalmist starts to talk about, okay, in light of our shortness of life, in light of the fact that, that our earthly life is coming to an end, how do we live in light of that? Okay, so we're going to kind of see all of that together this morning 
as we work through this psalm. So number one, if you're taking notes with us today, see life through God's glory and man's frailty. See life through God's glory and man's frailty. Number one, God is always our place of security. I love how uh, Moses starts this song before he ever gets into the temporary nature of life, which could be a discouragement. None of us like to think about death. None of us like to talk about death or reflect upon death. Before he ever gets into God's wrath and man returning to dust and death that looms for all of us, he starts by saying, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. He says, all generations have experienced you as their dwelling place. That was true for Moses, it was true for the people before Moses, and it's been true for all of God's people after Moses too. God is our our place of security. Um, Think about Moses even in the context of how he writes. Some of you grew up living in the same home for almost all of your life. Some of you have bounced house to house and have got memories all over the place, right? Right? Uh, Maybe you couldn't even say, this is where I'm from, or this is where I was raised, because you were just kind of all over the place. Moses had big chunks of life that were taking place in different portions of the area, right? He spends the first 40 years of his life growing up in Egypt, which would have been probably a luxurious experience as kind of a prince of Egypt, where he would have had access to all kinds of great things that Egypt would have afforded. Then he spends the next 40 years of his life in Midian as a shepherd, right? Just kind of out in the wilderness in a set place, but he's relegated to taking care of sheep. He's relegated to uh, a totally different life than what he was being groomed for in Egypt, probably. Um, And it would have been a time of reflection upon his failures, probably, to lead Israel, too, because we know from Scripture that he anticipated being being used by God as the deliverer tried to take those steps, and then didn't see that come to fruition. So he, he lives in Midian for 40 years. Then he goes and leads the Israelites out of Egypt, and because of their rebellion, he spends the next 40 years of his life just wandering around the wilderness, right? So if you had asked Moses, hey, where's home, Moses? Like, where are you from, Moses? He could have said Egypt. He could have said Midian. He could have said, I don't really have a home. I'm just kind of a nomad, like we've been wandering around for quite a bit of time. You even read in, I think it's uh, <clears throat> Numbers 33, there's like 42 different places that the Israelites camped during their wanderings, right? Where was home, Moses? Moses says, my home is with the Lord, right? My dwelling place is with God. You think about what's special to us about home. Like when we think about being home, many of you have these experiences, maybe even in the holiday season where uh, you, you've, you've been off in places, you've been at people's homes, you've been doing things in the busyness of life, and there's just this moment where you say, I just want to be at home. I just need a day at home. Why? Because there's, there's comfort in being at home. There's security in being at home. There's familiarity with being at home, right? Um, God is pictured as our home here in verse 1, which is such an important encouragement to us before we see what the rest of Psalm has to say, Psalm 90. Um, we also find that he is eternal in his essence. He's forever remaining unchanged, according to verse 2. It says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Notice it doesn't say from beginning to end you are God, because God has no beginning and he has no end. Instead, he uses a phrase that could not be used for anything else in our experiences, right? 
Everything else would be from beginning to end, but from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. We change as people as we age, right? But God doesn't change. Think about how people age and look differently as they age, right? They, they look differently. They think differently. They act differently. Uh, that's good for our kids as they grow and mature. They start to think more maturely about things. They start to act more maturely about things. It's not as great sometimes that we look differently as we age, right? Uh, it's not always kind to us as we grow older. But we change as individuals, but God does not change. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. He doesn't improve upon himself or decrease in who he is. Um, this concept remains our ultimate hope. In light of all that comes next in Psalms 90, God is our source of security for managing it all. He's our source of security for managing this upcoming year. This upcoming year will have challenges and difficulties that we could never anticipate. It's also going to have victories and successes that we could never accomplish on our own. And God is our dwelling place for all of it, right? God is our dwelling place for all of it. He's our place of security. But number two, he's also a place of severity. He's also a place of severity. We see in verse three that while God is an unchanging God and he's our dwelling place for all generations for his people, he says in verse three, you return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night, you sweep away You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. Verse 7 and 8, For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. Michael Wilcock in his uh, commentary on Psalms says, We are mortal because God is angry. And God is angry because we are sinful. Now, Obviously, for those of us that are believers, we have come out from underneath God's wrath. Christ has satisfied that for us on the cross. We have been forgiven of our sins, right? But even as forgiven sinners, mankind as a whole is still subjected to this curse that brings us to physical death. Mankind in general has this curse upon him, and man returns to dust while God remains unchanged Man does not. Man will return to dust in the ways that he was created. God's eternal glory makes man's sin eternally serious. We see that his wrath, his anger is upon man's sin, his iniquities. Man's iniquities are set before God. There are no secret sins. There are no things that remain hidden. And because of that, All of our wickedness, all of our evil, even the things that our friends and family don't know about us, those evil intentions of the heart that maybe never get brought forth, God knows all of those things. And his wrath is upon those things. Unless we've escaped that with Christ, his wrath is there upon our sin. So guys like Adam and Cain who tried to hide their sin or acted ignorant of their sin when God confronted them, right? Those sins were known by God. Sin robs us of life and makes our experiences on earth difficult. Verse 9 says, For all of our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. He talks about the end of life being like a sigh. Um, We talk sometimes about people in their old age when they die. We talk about them just being tired. 
They were ready to go home. They were ready to be with the Lord. They had reached a point of just being so tired, right? This idea of a sigh, this idea of the shortness of life, that we don't even reach 70 or 80 sometimes. Think about how just before, I mean, you think about how, sometimes the Old Testament, we lose sight of the fact about how uh, few generations have passed as we tell these stories, right? Between Abraham and Moses, there's only six generations, um, so, so time has been relatively short in regards to the people that have existed during that time, right? Um, but it wasn't that long ago at the time that Moses is writing where people were living uh, multiple hundreds of years, right? Think about being in a, in a time of uh, history where you see the life expectancy fall off not by five years, but by hundreds of years, right? Like my great-granddad lived to be 800 years old, and my dad lived to be 100 years old. It's like, wow, like what a massive change we see humanity undergo, right? The shortness of life, sin robs us of life. It makes our experiences on earth difficult to where it is perceived as like the, uh, uh, the exhausted sigh that we see here at the end of life, the shortness of 70 to 80 years. God's a place of severity. His wrath is upon sin. Our life is short because of our curse. Even as believers, even as Christians who have been rescued from God's wrath, we're still subjected to a short life. And then number three, as we're seeing life through God's glory and man's frailty, God's timetable is different than man's. The psalmist Moses points this out very clearly when he talks about uh, how a thousand years is even perceived by God, right? A thousand years is but yesterday when it's past. He talks about years being swept away like a flood, like a dream, Uh, the life of a man being short like grass that springs up in the morning and withers by the end of the day. Um, the, The shortness of life being highlighted here. What we see from this psalm is that the Lord, our God, is the Lord of time. He exists outside of time and he controls time for his purposes. Now this is a comfort to us because passages like Isaiah 57, 15, if you want to write that down, Isaiah 57, 15, says that God inhabits eternity. God inhabits eternity, meaning that he's outside of time and he controls time. He's not subjected to time like we are. And there's a dual emphasis being uh, mentioned here, the, uh, being placed on the fact that there's a shortness of time, but there's also a longevity to God's plans being carried out. So while our years are short and quick and they pass away, a thousand years is viewed like a day for God. Right, And so we as Christians sometimes will get frustrated with the timing of God, uh, frustrated with what he is doing. And this passage reminds us and encourages us to not lose sight of the fact that God is still at work, even though it may feel like time is passing. Uh, A thousand years is compared to one yesterday. Um, Think about what happens in a thousand years of time. You know, our country is only 246 years old. Like the United States has only been around for a couple hundred years at this point. Um, a thousand years is like one yesterday to God. While man's time is short overall, we ought not grow discouraged during perceived delays for God's working. Remember how we've even seen recently, Peter uses the concept of uh, a thousand years being like a day to emphasize God's patience, right? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Uh, God's patience being seen in the delays for Christ to return for us. And so I would encourage you to be encouraged when you were frustrated with the timing of things in your life to know that God's timetable is different than ours. It's different than ours, okay? So Moses has highlighted the the eternal nature of God, the frailty of man, 
uh, while God is eternal and his timetable is different than ours, what is true, our reality, is that our time is short. We have a short amount of time here on this earth. What will we do with it? And so that leads into number two. Learn to number your days with wisdom. Learn to number your days with wisdom. He says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. The idea or the concept here is that we don't wait until the end of our life to realize the shortness of life. Don't wait until the end of your life to realize the shortness of your life. The idea here is that we would be wise before our time. Be wise while you still have time to not waste your life on trivial things. Our head football coach at Trinity uses this passage a lot when he's talking to our football guys. The responsibility that we have to number our days. Um, he uses this in uh, a ministry that he started um, that, that's focused on dads and encouraging dads to seize their responsibility of fatherhood, uh, to not wait and miss the most important things in life. And so he always uses the concept of what will be most important to you when you're on your deathbed, right? So fast forward your life to the end. What are the things that would be most important? What are the things that you want people to say about you? Who are the people that you will want around you? And then live your life today in light of your answers to those questions down the road, right? I've told you guys before, like movies that I enjoy, I love alien movies. Um, I love uh, time travel movies. And my third type of movie that I really love are movies that give people a alternate reality where they get to see what life would be like if different, different choices were made in their life, right? And so the bulk of the movie is showing you this alternate reality where they do things differently with their life. And then by the end of the movie, you rewind and they're put back into their real reality and given the option now to make choices in light of what they've seen in this alternate reality. Unfortunately, life doesn't work that way for us, right? We don't get the alternate reality to spend time in, and then we get to come back to real life and make choices in light of that. We have to kind of force that ourselves. We have to kind of think ourselves, okay, what would it look like to be on my deathbed today? What would be the things that are most important? And in light of that answer, how do I then live today so that when I get to the end of my life, the things that are most important are the things that I've invested in? Right? That's what Moses tells us here. He says, number your days. Lord, teach us to number our days. I put in my notes, how do you know that you're getting older? All right? None of us want to admit that we're getting older probably, but how do you know if you've moved into the older population? Well, I put, uh, you talk more and more about how quickly time flies. That's a sign of you being older, is that you talk more and more about how quickly time flies. And I don't know the, the science behind this, but time really does seem to move faster the older that you get, right? I remember my four years of high school seemed like an eternity, right? Four years of high school, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, I thought it would never end, right? And then I went to college for four years. And by the end of my senior year in college, it felt like an eternity since I had been in high school, right? Like four years flies by right now, right? 
Um, it seems like just yesterday, and I'm in the older group because I talk like this now, it seems like just yesterday that we planted this church. It's been 10 years, right? It's been a whole high school career and a whole college career and a whole grad career since we started this church. And it seems like just yesterday, all right? The older you get, the more time seems to fly by. So our, our younger kids are sitting here and they're like, I don't get that, right? The reason you don't get that is because you're in the younger group, right? Time doesn't feel like it's flying, and there'll be a day when you talk like your mom and your dad and me, and you'll realize, oh, I'm in the older group now. Because the older you get, time seems to speed up, and it seems to fly by, right? The psalmist, Moses, would tell us, hey, don't wait until the end of your life to realize how short life is and how you have wasted portions of it. Young people think they're immortal. The old despair a lot of times because their time feels like it is coming to an end. The shortness of life demands that we make plans to maximize our time, which means there's planning that's required. Planning requires that we push back against our cultural emphasis on living in the moment and instant gratification. The most important action item, and this applies to all of us, the most important action item for all of us is that we ensure we have a right relationship with God because look what verse 11 says. Before he even tells us to number our days, he says, verse 11, who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Meaning, who shapes their life? Who makes decisions in light of your glory and man's frailty? Right, so here's what verse 11 is asking. Verse 11 is saying, how many of you have shaped your life around the fact that God is angry at sin? How many of you have shaped your life around a healthy fear of God? Now, a lot of us have done that. A lot of us have responded and have shaped our life around the fact that we want out of the wrath of God, right? And we want to fear the Lord. But think about how uh, in several places in Scripture, both in Psalms and Proverbs, we are told that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? So verse 12 tells us, hey, we want a heart of wisdom, a heart that numbers our days. Well, how do we get that wisdom to shape the numbering of our days? Well, it starts with fearing God because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and we fear the Lord by seeing in a healthy way his anger towards sin and how to escape that anger. We need to confess our sins, particularly those we consider to be hidden and operate our life in light of his wrath. We need to run to a God of wrath to experience him as the God of steadfast love right? He's certainly a God of severity, but look what Moses says about him further in verse 13. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Verse 14, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. That steadfast love is the same love we talked about in Psalm 98, that loyal love that R.C. Sproul talks about. It's a covenantal love that he has for us. So we can say, okay, I see my sin. I see God's anger towards my sin. I can try to hide it like Cain, and when God confronts me with it, I can deny it. I can minimize it, right? I can be frustrated at his frustration with it. Or I can run to him like Rahab. I can run to him and say, God, save me from your anger. Save me from your wrath. I want to experience your steadfast love. The very first priority for us in numbering our days is to make sure that our life is right with God. An eternal God has made a way for us to be eternally saved from his eternal wrath. Number two, be intentional to prioritize your life with that which will last forever. Be intentional to prioritize your life 
with that which will last forever. We must guard against what many call the tyranny of the urgent and make adjustments for what is really important. I've referenced this little booklet before. Um, I think it's written by Charles Hummel, maybe is his name. Uh, tyranny of the urgent. It's a really short pamphlet. The idea being that so oftentimes we allow our life to become so uh, focused on what we consider to be urgent things. Urgent things like I have to cut the grass or I have to get my car oil changed. Things that we deem urgent and we allow them to become what we think is important. But by, by highlighting them as the urgent, oftentimes we miss the important, right? I catch myself sometimes uh, being busy with the urgent and one of my kids will come up to me and say, hey, can we play a board game, right? And I'm so quick to say, I gotta do this. Right? I, gotta, I gotta get this thing done. It's urgent, right? And I miss opportunities to invest in my kids, to play with my kids, to love on my kids. The important things, because here's the thing. If I'm picturing myself on my dead, deathbed, right? Like if I waited a couple extra days to cut the grass, right? Like that, it's not gonna be important to me on my deathbed that, hey, every week I had the grass cut, right? I never missed a 3,000 mile oil change, right? The things that are gonna be important to me is that my kids are with me. And that the relationship that I've invested with them make them want to be with me in the end, right? Um, be careful about being uh, a slave to the tyranny of the urgent. Make adjustments for what's really important. When you understand what's eternal and that time on earth is limited, you make each day count for what it will last for eternity with you. A successful life is composed of successful years that are made up of successful days that honor the Lord which means how much money you make doesn't matter. It's what you do with the money that you have. People are more important than to-do tasks because they have an eternity awaiting them too. What's most important with your kids is not the sports they play, the grades they make. It's, ha it's whether they know God, right? Be intentional to prioritize your life with what will last forever. And then number three, we pray for God to establish his work through us. We pray for God to establish his work through us. So again, the beginning of this psalm, heavy on the eternality of God, his eternal nature, the frailty of man, that his life is short, that it's passing away because of sin and because of the curse of sin, we don't have long. We might have 70, we might have 80 years, uh, but even in the midst of those years, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be like a, a deep sigh uh, it's going to be a life that's got toil and trouble that's a part of it because our sin that we commit, it robs us of the life that God intends for us. But there's an answer to that sin problem. We can get out from the anger of God. We can run to him out of fear of him. And then we can number our days. We can get a heart of wisdom. We can experience the steadfast love of God. And we can pray, we can pray specifically that he would establish his work through us. Moses is telling us to pray. Teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Ask God for wisdom on how to use our time better, how to take advantage of opportunities that are given to us. If we will prioritize our days with eternity in mind, we can ask God confidently for him to establish our work. If we prioritize our days with eternity in mind, we can ask God confidently for him to establish our work. Right? We can go to God and we can pray and ask for success when it comes to the, 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 the fruits of our labor. We can pray for that success because we've, we've structured our acts, we've structured our work around the idea of eternity, not temporary, right? 
We can't, we can't guarantee success if everything that we're thinking about and dealing with and working towards is temporary things. God may not bless those things, but what we are assured of here is that if we will number our days towards eternity, if we will think with the end in mind, then we can pray and expect God to give us success in that work, right? It says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. I want to kind of give you just a a quick little thing here at the end. Uh, Keeping proper perspective in 2022. Um, This last section of Psalm 90 talks about what it looks like to find joy. Find joy in the sorrows and find success in our labors. Find joy in our sorrows and success in our labors. Let me give you, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five things that you're gonna write down real quick if you want to. Number one, keep your focus on the Lord returning and live each day in light of that. Keep your focus on the Lord returning and live each day in light of that. Verse 13 says, return, O Lord. How long have pity on your servants? Moses crying out for God to come, to come and to act, to keep his promises. So as we step into 2022, so important for us, in light of all the uncertainty that we will continue to face going into this year, and most definitely sorrows and toils and trials that will come our way, that we keep perspective, that our satisfaction and our joy does not lie here. It lies in Christ's return. And so we keep our focus on the Lord returning, and we live our days in light of that. Number two, we find satisfaction in his steadfast love in the midst of evil days around us. We find satisfaction in his steadfast love in the midst of evil days around us, right? It says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen evil, right? So Moses is reminding us, we're going to see evil around us. We're going to see difficulties and trials and challenges, but we can find joy in the steadfast love of God that God loves us in the midst of those things. So we can be encouraged to continue to number our days, to, to, to invest in the things that are most important. Even when we experience heartache, we can experience the steadfast love of God. Number three, we look for the ways that the Lord is working around us and we involve ourselves in it. Look for the ways that the Lord is working around you and involve yourself in it. Verse 16 says, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. All right? Moses is saying, hey, There will be evil days around us. Pray that the Lord will help you to see the ways that he's working good in the evil around you. Pray that your children will be able to see that so that as they grow and mature in their faith, they will continually turn to him with trust. Look for ways that the Lord is working around you. Involve yourself in it. And then lastly, have planned works that God can crown with favor and success have planned works that God can crown with favor and success. 1 John 2, 17 tells us that those who do the will of the Lord abide forever. Have planned works. So as we go into 2022, you you may not like resolutions. You may not like goal planning and um, that whole process. But let me challenge you that 
Moses is telling us that we have a responsibility to number our days, which means we have a responsibility to pause and to reflect and say, okay, what am I hoping for in the coming days? What am I hoping for in the coming months? What am I hoping for in this coming year, right? What's most important? Where am I gonna put my time and energy and attention, right? And and then to pray that God would bring success in that, Uh, to to, to number our days in such a way where eternity is our focus, we can pray confidently that God would bring us success in that. Establish the work of your hands, God, upon us. Establish the work of our hands. We need to plan well. I know for me, as I'm kind of thinking about this upcoming year, I really want to be intentional to think about the roles that I play in my life as as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a principal, as a coach, as a friend, the, the different roles that I play in my life, where, where am I weak in those roles, right? Like, I don't want to get to the end of my life and think back on the weaknesses I had as a husband and realize that I never addressed those weaknesses, right? The weaknesses that I had as a pastor or as a, as a father that, that just kind of stayed with me through life, right? Like, I want to be intentional in the next few days to really think through where am I weak in these roles and how am I going to be intentional to address those weaknesses this upcoming year? Right? I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better pastor and a better principal. I want to be better in those roles. And I want to pray that God would give me success in that for his glory. That I would invest in the things that are most important. And the last thing that I would leave you with in regards to 2022 is to remember where we started in Psalm chapter 90. That he is our dwelling place that we keep coming back to him as our home. Because even as we make plans, we're inevitably gonna fail in some of those plans. We're not gonna stick to resolutions. We're not gonna stick to good intentions. And we're gonna fall back into sin because we're frail. That we come back to him at home, right? Uh, we, We think about the prodigal son who would return to his father who was waiting for him with open arms, right? God is our dwelling place. He is our home. I wanna leave you with Deuteronomy 33, 27. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 27. I love this verse. It says, the eternal God is your dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. The eternal God is your dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. It's as though he's saying that the foundation of, of the dwelling place of God is his everlasting arms, right? Uh, Lauren and I have had the uh, unfortunate experience in looking at houses to come across a few of them uh, that did not have the greatest support system underneath them, right? Uh, Where we're having to have conversations that if we buy this house, we're gonna have to like, we're gonna have to really redo the flooring because the flooring is off, right? We were walking around in a house yesterday and the the floors were kind of doing this a little bit, right? That's not the foundation that you want, right? When we think about God as our home, the floors, the foundation, it's his everlasting arms. It's everlasting arms. I'm gonna give you a word of application here in just a second, but we're gonna listen to an audio from John Piper in regards to Psalm 90 tied into the idea of a new year. So it's about four or five minutes long. We're gonna listen to that together. Um, If you're listening at home, you may not get the audio through the Zoom. I don't know. If you don't get it, we're gonna post that link for you. Uh, But we're going to take just a minute to listen to this, and then I'm going to close with a word of application. Death rehearsal. 
You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Psalm 90, 5 and 6 and 12. For me, the end of a year is like the end of my life. And 11.59 p.m. on December 31 is like the moment of my death. The 365 days of the year are like a miniature lifetime, and these final hours are like the last days in the hospital after the doctor has told me that the end is very near. And in these last hours, the lifetime of this year passes before my eyes, and I face the inevitable question, did I live it well? Will Jesus Christ, the righteous judge, say, well done, good and faithful servant? Matthew 25, 21. I feel very fortunate that this is the way my year ends. And I pray that the year's end might have the same significance for you. The reason I feel fortunate is that it is a great advantage to have a trial run at my own dying. It is a great benefit to rehearse once a year in preparation for the last scene of your life. It is a great benefit because the morning of January 1 will find most of us still alive on the brink of a whole new lifetime, able to start fresh all over again. The great thing about rehearsals is that they show you where your weaknesses are, where your preparation was faulty, and they leave you time to change before the real play in front of a real audience. I suppose for some of you, the thought of dying is so morbid, so gloomy, so fraught with grief and pain that you do your best to keep it out of your minds, especially during holidays. I think that is unwise and that you do yourself a great disservice. I have found that there are few things more revolutionizing for my life than a periodic pondering of my own death. How do you get a heart of wisdom so as to know how best to live? The psalmist answers, you sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Psalm 95 and 6 and 12. Numbering your days simply means remembering that your life is short and your dying will be soon. Great wisdom, great life revolutionizing wisdom comes from periodically pondering these things. 
The criterion of success that Paul used to measure his life was whether he had kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Let this be our test at year's end. And if we discover that we did not keep the faith this past year, then we can be glad, as I am, that this year-end death is probably only a rehearsal and a whole life of potential faith-keeping lies before us in the next year. Our application for today is to pray to use 2022 well, to pray that God would help you to number your days this year. Counting today, you've got 364 left this year. Um, pray that we would use them well. Pray that we would use them for his glory. Pray that we would use them uh, with a priority placed on the most important things. Right? This prayer that's included here comes from Tim Keller, who has written a 365-day uh, devotional on the Psalms. It's been a really cool tool to use in my study because every day he focuses either on a specific psalm or a portion of the Psalms. And so I've been using that for whichever psalm that we're going through. And he closes each one of those devotionals with a prayer. And so this was his prayer uh, for Psalm 90 in, regard, in regards to numbering our days. He says, Lord, I have not done the profound soul work necessary to be ready to die. Give me the strength to ask the big question, would I be ready to die tomorrow? Be such a living, bright reality to me that I can answer that question wisely and then do what is necessary. Amen. Let's pray together. God, I do pray that you would help us to number our days well, not just for this year, but in the lifetime that's left before us, whatever that looks like. God, help us to keep in mind and to remember that we are frail because of sin and that our life here on this earth is short. God, we're thankful that the ways that we spend our life here in our physical, earthly life is not the end of all things, that we have an eternity awaiting us. And so while we talk about the shortness of life, we do not mean the shortness of our existence, and we thank you for that. But God, help us to see that before we get to that eternal existence, you have given us a temporary life here on this earth where you desire to do great and mighty things through us for your glory. God, help us to see and realize that too oftentimes we get caught up in the things of this world, things that we consider urgent, that in the grand, of, grand scheme of things aren't always that important. God, teach us to number our days. Give us a heart of wisdom to where we can use this upcoming year where we focus on the things that are most important. Help us to break through and see the shortness of life Help us to not let it continue to pass us by so quickly. Help us to take steps to make changes where we need to make changes. To use this season of life right now as an opportunity to assess where we're at and where you desire for us to be. To see our weaknesses, to bring those weaknesses to you, to see you as our dwelling place where those weaknesses can be welcomed and then transformed. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.
Thankful for our time together this morning. A couple of things I wrote down as, as Adam was sharing. He said, God is our dwelling place. I loved when he mentioned, you know, the question to Moses, where is home, Moses? My home is with the Lord. He talked about God's wrath. God's eternal holiness makes man's sin etern- eternally serious. Um, he said that sin robs us of life and makes life difficult. Um, he mentioned uh, as far as timing is concerned, be encouraged when you are frustrated with the time of things. He said the most important thing for us is to ensure that we have a right relationship with God. He said how many of us have shaped our lives around the wrath of God? Great questions for us to consider. Um, He said not only to be led by what's urgent in life, but to focus uh, on the important because it's important. Uh, There's a quote I heard recently um, from a friend of mine, and he said, you know, the days are long and the years are short. Um, but for God, the seconds are long, and a thousand years is short. Um, and so this concept of time, I love it. We've, we have seen it through First Peter several times when he's called our attention towards timing. Um, such a great reminder for us. And just thinking about our use of the time from Psalm 69, uh, it says, Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me. Let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me. My use of the time, my commitment to follow through on these good questions and and this truth and to live in light of the truth, my prayer is that those who trust in him wouldn't be brought to shame or dishonor through me because of me. Um, I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Um, John Piper uses an analogy of dead leaves, uh, which is, you know, great for this time of year. There's a lot of dead leaves on the ground. He said, even dead leaves at times look lively as the wind blows them around, but they're still dead leaves. I don't want to be dead leaves. I don't want us as a church body to be dead leaves who are just dead. And frequently, you know, every once in a while, the urgent kind of blows us around and we look lively for a moment, but then fall flat again. We've been given life, true life, real life. And I, I pray and, I, and I, my hope for us this year is that we would uh, live in light of that life um, that we've been given. We have this kaleidoscope of opportunities that lie ahead of us this year, showing God's faithfulness and goodness, His power, His glory. And I hope that we'll be prepared in those moments to take it in, to be used by Him for His glory, and to savor every moment of what lies ahead for us. Um, the other last thing I wanted to mention to you is just Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37. Um, thinking about time, it says, Yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. That's our, our hope and our joy. That's our anchor that we look forward to and that truth that we live in light of. The coming one uh, is coming, and he won't delay. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may he give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the work of his great might, that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the world to come.
Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the Word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.